0: This is Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com.
1: Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mitchell Whitfield the Mark Aflalo alongside with you. Thank you guys for being here and continuing our coverage of the CES Consumer Electronics Show 2021 edition, which was all virtual this year. One company that wasn't virtual, the one company that we rely on every day to really uh, you know gaze and feast our eyes upon, whether it be home theater entertainment, whether it be in the business boardroom, or, you know, in front of your computer right now, perhaps, is ViewSonic Corporation. On the line with me is Ray Hedrick, He's a product marketing specialist at a company that we are intimately familiar with because I stare at your monitors all day long. And that company is uh, ViewSonic. Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Um, you are not the first from the company to join us on this show, but uh, you are one of many and hopefully we'll come back uh from years to come.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much Mark for having me. It's great to
1: be here. Ray, uh, before we dive into certain products and obviously talk about some of the monitors and the projectors and the different announcements from from the, you know this year's CES and everything that surrounds, you know, this first couple months of the year. Uh, tell me how are you finding this this kind of virtual experience a little bit different obviously without being able to, you know, show people things firsthand, but uh, I'm sure it's going well.
0: Yeah, it's been a a heck of a change, but certainly not just for us, but for the whole industry. And um, uh, trade shows in particular, it's really a new experience. Uh, It's been tough. Um, in, in some cases, it's nice to not have to travel and whatnot, but at the same time, uh, you really still want to capture your audience's attention and, and and bring them into the fold with your new products. So we've we've had to become a little innovative with videos and uh, in virtual uh, Zoom meetings and whatnot to try to get the, that messaging out there in ways that we haven't had to.
1: You know, when it comes to monitors, monitors Ray, um, monitors. I find that the market is becoming extremely competitive. Like it's really competitive with people yep. trying to capture our, our, I guess, our eyes really at the end of the day. Um, how do you guys set yourselves apart when it comes to creating a new monitor? I know there's different obviously there's different, you know, genres and different styles of monitor for different types of applications, whether it be business or gaming, but when it comes to ViewSonic as a company, what is it that's in the DNA that really sets you guys apart? Yeah,
0: so um, we're definitely not new to this. We, we've we been in this industry for about 30 years. Um, at one point, we, we were a huge CRT manufacturer and had to have an enormous warehouse because the boxes for CRTs are so big, and <laughs> The, you know, just managing the logistics of all that. Um, you know, fast forward to now where everything is LCD, but there's also so many niches, like you were saying. There's gaming, there's business, there's home, um, and every customer sort of wants a different tailored solution just for them. And where we've been really successful is that um, we are one of the easiest to communicate with from you know what we get from our sales team, you know, talking to the reps and whatnot, getting to customers, getting really in there and building solutions just for them that that feel really, really tailored. Um, and then on the consumer side, we we offer a lot of really, really, uh, you know, as soon as that technology is on the market, we get it into a product and, and we get it at a really competitive price. And uh, the brand is pretty strong in that we have a strong reputation for reliability and customer support. So um, it's a trust thing. I think that the trust that customers have in us is really what's What's made it so that we've been able to do this for so long, and still continue to do it, even though, uh, as you say, it's only getting more competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that everybody's trying to get you know in front of people's eyes, and and that's what's interesting about ViewSonic is that you really do have a solution for um, every kind of niche market, whether it's the creator side of the thing, or or it's a business user that wants to be able to view spreadsheets on a, on a giant widescreen monitor. There's there's an application for everybody. How, how do you set those those markets apart? Like, what what are the differentiating factors between those types of monitors.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts. So uh, if we look at our our current monitor lineup, there's about 130 that we carry uh, at any one time, That's different insane. models. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a it's a madhouse. And so when we look at you know where we want to set that roadmap in the future, if we want to reduce products, we have to go to our sales team and really talk to them and say. Hey, who's taking these? What are they using them for? How can we improve this? Is there a way that we can take these two models and make them into one model that suits both customers? And so, um, a lot of it is we get it through our through our sales team. They tell us what they want to use. The other part is on the consumer side. You know, re- people are really good about leaving reviews. And if they love it, they'll give you feedback. Um, but if they hate it, they'll really give you feedback. So um, we 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 are very conscious of that, and, and we have to keep an eye on you know any anything that's that's an issue has to be addressed really really quickly.
1: You know, you bring up something interesting there which is, you know, listening listening to people and listening to the consumers and I think that's a lost art these days because I, there are a lot of companies out there that I, I, you can tell that they're not really paying attention to user feedback and they're doing things for whatever reason they decided to do something. But um, but you guys, you, you have your ear kind of on the pulse of what the consumer is looking for because when you look at some of the monitors and the projectors and we're gonna, stuff we're going to talk about in a moment, you could tell that they're catered towards specific people and you can tell that thought has been put into it because they fit that mold quite nicely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we would be flying blind if we didn't have that feedback <laughs> from our consumers.
1: Um, let's talk about some of the monitors. Uh, let's let's start with monitors and let's talk about some of the models that uh, came out this year. If you had to pick a favorite, I know it's like asking you which one was your favorite child, and, and thankfully the monitors don't have a heartbeat and feelings. What would you choose out of the lineup in terms of your favorite and why?
0: So for me, if I had to pick one of the announcements at CES, the really cool one that's coming is the Elite XG320U. Um, it's not my product. Um, it's actually uh, Jason's product you have spoken to before. Yep. Uh, he's our gaming guy. Um, but our Elite monitors have been really, really awesome. And it's one of those things where if only we could build enough of them to meet that demand. <laughs> um, but the the thing about them is that the Elite brand is our gaming brand. It's our high-end brand. And it's, a, it's an attempt to really put out something that has a really premium look and feel. I think that uh, gamers appreciate nice stuff. Uh, I can't tell you how many gamers. The nicest headphones, even the nicest cars and whatnot. You know, a real eye for design. They don't necessarily want something that's all lights and, and colors, though we we have that. Um, the elite <laughs> is just a really refined, high-end looking piece of equipment. And then you go into the performance. So on this one, it's a 32 inch. It's 144 hertz. It's 4K. It's got dual HDMI 2.1. It's our first HDMI 2.1 monitor. So it's the whole package. Um, And then if you're a content creator, it's also a a monitor that can do almost the entire Adobe RGB color gamut. So it's a really nice panel. So you combine all of that, the style of the elite, the incredible screen performance, the HDMI 2.1 that ensures that this thing is not gonna be outdated in six to 12 months, um, and and you just have a really knockout product, and and we, we can't bring it to market soon enough. But we're aiming for around uh, summertime. Hopefully, we'll 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 have one on the shelves.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Um, th- there seems to be a focus lately, and I understand why, on kind of protecting our vision when we're looking at a monitor, and you sure. know, I- incorporating different technologies that make sure that we're not staring too long at these harsh blues, and that we're really kind of taking care of our vision. When it comes to that aspect of the creation process of, of a monitor, or really any really display technology that we're looking at, um, how do you measure what you need to do to to kind of I guess compensate or to to make sure that you're 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 taking care of the people, the users, you know, the actual people who are buying the monitors?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, for that, there there are actual. To scientific test you can measure the blue light coming out of a monitor and um, one of the things that i think most consumers probably don't realize is that um, for years lcd panels were lit by ccfl's compact fluorescent same as those fluorescent tubes you have in any ceiling in a home or a, rather in a school or in an office environment um so they had really small ccfl's in them and then we switched over to leds and you can be looking at a ccfl lit monitor and an led lit monitor and they will look completely identical in terms of picture. You could have the same image of both of them say, I can't tell a difference. But actually, you'll be taking in dramatically more blue light into your eyes from the LED one because of the way that the LED produces that light. Because typically, a white backlight is a blue LED with a yellow phosphor layer over it that gets you to that white color. Um, So the blue light uh, transmission is really high. And so we've built into, I want to say, Basically, every single one of our models, I'm really not aware of any of them that don't have uh, a blue light filter in the menu so that um, if you are concerned about that, uh, it shouldn't damage your eyes, but it, it's fatiguing. It'll make your eyes tired. Um, you can turn on that mode and it's very easy and it's very effective. Um, and then add to that uh, we also have all, on all of our monitors have flicker free backlights. they're not there's no pulsing at different brightnesses that's going to tire your eyes out in the same way the blue light would. so it's definitely a big concern. Um, and it's something where I think if we look at the marketing in that going to this next year we may actually want to start looking at um, you know partnering with with more medical um, more medical uh, advisors to kind of give more credibility to that because, you're right. I don't think enough people understand that that aspect of monitoring. So
1: we talked we talked about the gaming monitor side of things. There's a there's another kind of category that's emerged. It's been around for a while, and you guys have been working in it for a while. Which is which is the the, the portable monitor side of things. This is people yes. who have a laptop or have a computer and they want to extend their display. Now, not everybody's like me who has six monitors in front of them. Uh, one, two, three, seven. Um, <laughs> but um, but. That's an interesting segment of the market. Where are you seeing people use those most?
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing up the portables because uh, if you were going to ask what was my favorite product from twenty twenty, it actually <laughs> would have been portables. So those came out a little bit earlier, a little bit before CES, and they've been on the market for a little time. But so we do have some some information on that. Um, so we started doing the market research on portables before anything COVID related happened. Nobody, you know, had heard of it. Um, And even at that time, we were seeing a lot of users using these in their homes, which I thought was very interesting. So a lot of people that were working from home in a pre-COVID environment were using a laptop and then one or two portable displays with it to do a a two or a three display setup. And what they loved about it was not the portability so much as the flexibility. Because any monitor is is in a sense portable, you can move them, but they're yeah. a pain in the butt yeah. because yeah. you've got to get the power cables, get the video cables and they're all kind of wired in. It's not convenient and they're heavy. Portables, you can do it all with one wire. You can do it with that USB-C and have it powered by the laptop. So we saw a lot of people that would, you know, go out on the on the patio in the morning, you know, go into the den during the day, and then the evening maybe they'd go up into the office and do work. So it's just that flexibility that people really love about them. And then now that obviously the world has changed, uh, and we have to work from everywhere all the time, that flexibility is that much more relevant. We have a a term we call them. Uh, a kitchen counter warriors where they're just trying to find a space where they can do their work, <laughs> and uh, a portable monitor is perfect
1: for that. Now, you, you mentioned that Jason was in on on the gaming side. What's your what's your category that you kind of uh, deal with day in and day out?
0: So I, I have uh, two that I manage. I manage the the VAs, which is sort of the value lineup. That's sort of your basic desktop monitor, um, what a lot of people use to get their work done every day. Uh, what I call the essential monitors.
1: the essential, and, uh, and also the, (laughs) but But, you know, but you Uh, know, it's funny you, you mentioned the essential monitors and, and I think that some people will say, okay, well, those are going to be the cheaper ones, but you know, price doesn't always dictate the quality of something. And I want to kind of dispel that myth because just because you're paying a good price for something doesn't mean you're compromising. And I think that people need to understand that.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And, uh, this is not, uh, this is not an industry where you get rich. Uh, hardware is is it's tough. It's tough for everyone. Um, so you you can know that uh, when you're buying a ViewSonic monitor, you're basically always going to get a pretty good value because we don't we don't price them like crazy. And uh, the VA's. Um, there definitely are more affordable, but there are standards and um, levels of performance that we are not willing to go below. That we our expectation to our customers is that they need a good monitor to work on and, and to play on. And uh, that's what we have to deliver no matter the price.
1: Do you have a favorite child on the essential side of things?
0: <laughs> on the essential side of things, um, well, actually, the new one, uh, the new one that, that we announced the CES, uh, it'll be the first ultra wide in my product category. So that's the. Uh, the VA 3456 uh, MHDJ, um, which is a, a really cool monitor because it's 34-inch ultra-wide, but it's also an IPS. It's got a 420-nit brightness, which makes it one of the oh, brightest wow. monitors we carry. Uh, and it's a full ergo stand. So, And that's all coming in at a street price uh, on the Canadian side about 450 but uh, on the U.S. side around.
1: Wow. The- you know, the, the trend toward ultra-wide seems to be growing and growing these days. I guess people are trying to – I, for some reason, have this – this mentality that having two monitors, my brain kind of sees two monitors. So it helps me organize myself a bit better. Yes. But, Uh uh, but uh, you know, I don't know if that's a myth or not, but it just, I kind of feel that way. Um, you're obviously about to tell me that I'm I am actually yeah. correct. Uh, you are correct. <laughs> but uh, on the ultra wide side of things, I guess they're becoming more and more popular because of the screen real estate and the immersiveness, if that's a word.
0: Yeah, no, but you, yeah, you are, to, to address that, you are perfectly correct. Two monitors does have, uh, mentally, we know that um, it makes it so that you have content here and content here, and you're able to mentally separate those two things, which can be very helpful uh, when you're doing productivity work. If you're trying to look at something and pull data to something else, um, there, there are advantages there. Um, a lot of people are dealing with limited screen space or uh, rather limited yeah, desk absolutely. space because they still need the biggest monitor that they can get on it. Um, so ultra-wides are really good for side-by-side productivity. And a lot of that has to do with the operating systems now being really good about the snapping of windows. Yeah. So it's really yeah. easy to separate the two sides. And then you get two full-size windows when you're using an ultra-wide. So um, we are seeing customers that are taking the two monitors that they used to buy and they're buying one ultra wide instead
1: and you know price wise you're actually saving a bit i think on that point too because the ultra wides you know they're it's they're not that much more expensive because they take the place of two monitors they really do fulfill that need at a price point that's pretty good typically you
0: can get to very similar pricing with an ultra wide
1: tell me about you know the projector technology because we've come so far when it comes to projectors, especially on the home theater side of things, I think there was a time where people said, ah, projectors are, are great, but I need to have a completely dark room because it's not bright enough. I can't get 4K. But, you know, tell me how far we've come in terms of the technology behind projectors and where we're seeing them being used.
0: Yeah, the projector technology has has advanced a lot. And a lot of uh, that comes from uh, partnering with Texas Instruments, who are the ones who make that DLP chip, which is um, it's like magic. It's it's a tiny, tiny little chip. The one that we use in our new uh, 4K projectors is only point, uh, f- uh, .47 inches, so it's a very small little chip. But on there, um, you've got enough pixels to make a full 4K image, and it can do that 960 times a second. Uh, and because of that, because those mirrors move so fast, um, we're actually able to do a native 240 hertz mode on on those projectors, which even most TVs can't do. So you don't usually think of a projector of being able to do technology that TVs can't do, um, but in some cases, they actually can. And to your point, the brightness has gone up so much now that you don't need a crazy dark room like you did. You can really project onto any surface you have available to you and still get a really nice image and a really sharp image. Plus HDR, um, which does make a a difference in a projector, just as it does on a TV, that richness of contrast and color that you get with HDR is now being supported on projectors. So it's a whole different world. So
1: uh, tell me about some of the products announced at CES and where we're going to see those. Uh, are Are those more business oriented, more living room oriented?
0: Um, basically all the ones that we show to see us are uh, more aimed at consumers. So, um, these will be ones that you would see in the home. Um, we've got two on the, on the non-portable home side would be the PX701 4K and the PX748 4K. And, uh, those two are Home entertainment projectors—they both have the same uh, DLP chip in them. Um, they do 4K, um, and again, uh, 4K 60, and then they also do 1080p at 240 hertz native. So if you are—if you want some really, really fast, low latency gaming, uh, those two will be the the uh, fastest input lag uh, projectors on the market. There'll be about uh, 4.2 milliseconds that we've we've been able to to measure in terms of actual real world input lag. That's
1: insane. (laughs) That's absolutely insane, especially on the gaming side of things because I know people are are setting up these, you know, basement home theater kind of setups that are really meant for gaming at the end of the day. They call it home theater, but then they're really, you know, sitting there with their brand new Xboxes and PlayStations plugging it into projectors. And um, in terms of the actual, uh, the throw range, um, that that has changed as well, a lot as well. We don't need to have eight feet from a wall to get a good image. We can actually get a lot closer and get a really good quality image um, or further, quite honestly, depending on what you're looking at. Um, is that part of the chip technology? Is that part of just the overall build of the projector themselves? Or is it very depending on, obviously, the model?
0: Uh, the chip will be the same. So you'll have the same DMD chip and basically all projectors. But yeah, we do have standard short, uh, standard throw, short throw, and ultra short throw. And basically, the the way that that changes is the optical engine that's inside of it, as we call it. It's basically the mirrors and the lenses that will change the shape of that image and project it in a much shorter space so yeah we've got ultra short throws where they can be a couple inches from the wall and then project a hundred inch image above it onto that same wall
1: thank you so much for taking the time to join us we cannot wait to have you on again thank you mark it's been great
0: there's more to come this is your tech report with mitchell whitfield
1: and mark aflalo please follow along with us online it is at your tech report we're gonna be back in a moment with next base your tech report will be right back i'm matt cundall host of the sound off podcast